man, amen, amen. I'm a friend of God and He calls me friend. You may be seated for a moment. We are delighted to have each of you here with us this morning. What time did the pregame show start? <laughs> Must have been about 11.30. <laughs> I just had to ask, folks. No, I'm not insinuating anything. I'm just asking a question. <clears throat> We're glad to have each of you here with us this morning. So thrilled that you come to worship with us. I told somebody this past week, they was talking about Super Bowl Sunday, I said, well, in light of the fact that the Super Bowl game don't start till late in the evening, that probably won't affect us much. <laughs> Not very much. Shut my mouth. <laughs> anyway, I don't know this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many enjoyed last Sunday service? What an awesome time we had. Amen. Appreciate your worship and your input into we just had a glorious time here in fact sister Clara came up to me after Bible study Wednesday evening to share with me her testimony I'm going to have her stand in just a minute and take a moment and tell what God done for her in this place last Sunday but I want to first take this opportunity to thank you for being here and welcome you this morning here in High Point Church sister Clara would you stand take a moment just tell us what the Lord done for you last week Praise the Lord. All right. That's what we like to hear. My goodness, that was a that was a thrill. I went home just feeling tremendous and thankful for what God done here. In the I told somebody this last week we were talking about healing. I said, Well, you need to understand something. In fact, I was praying for some folks at the hospital. I said, You understand someone? I am not a healer. There was only one healer that walked the shores of this earth, and his name was Jesus. 
I'm a man of faith and I can pray for you and prayer changes things. But by no means are we healers. He is. Amen? Amen. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, our granddaughter and grandson was here in service with us. And, and uh, after the afternoon, we were home sitting around the dining room table having a bite of lunch. And he's five years old, soon be six. And he calls me Papa. And he's sitting there and we're just talking, going on next to me. He says, Papa? I said, yes. He said, uh, you really talk a long time. Would you stand? <laughs> From the mouth of babes. Papa, you really talk a long time. <laughs> I invite your attention this morning to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. I'd like to read in your hearing this morning before we get into the word of the Lord, and I'll try not to talk long. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, said, be not, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you again today for this privilege and opportunity we have been granted to come together here to lift up and exalt your worthy name. We're thankful so much for what we've heard already, for the testimony, for the teaching of your word this morning, for the worship that's gone forth here today. I ask you to help me be transparent before you and this congregation that they may hear the words from the throne room of heaven. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless your word, bless those that receive. Help us all to receive your word with thanksgiving and gladness. It is in Jesus' name that we ask it. And everyone said amen. amen. Would you look at someone close by them and tell them, no sowing, no harvest. No sowing, no harvest. If we don't sow, we will not reap. You may be seated. The parable goes that a man who was a city dweller decided he had had enough of the honking traffic and the city skies and the gray concrete. And so he proceeded to pack up his possessions and his belongings and moved to a little red farmhouse on a few acres out in the country. Each morning after putting on his most comfortable pair of bib overhauls, he'd step out on his porch and fill his lungs with the clean country air and listen to the sweet chirping of the birds. And as he sipped on his coffee, he would say to himself, Oh, this is living. One day he heard a knock at the door. It was his nearest neighbor from about 10 miles away, and that's hardly heard of anymore. But in a country draw, the neighbor said, Howdy. As you might suspect, the city boy turned to, turned to the farmer and replied, Well, hello. As he was glad to have the company. You know, he'd been out there quite a while, and you know, coming from where he came from. So the neighbor proceeded to tell the new farmer that he had brought him a housewarming present. <laughs> <laughs> 
who at that point he plopped down, this farmer plopped down this big old burlap sack filled with what looked like to this city boy's sand. Well, thank you, said the new resident, somewhat taken back, not knowing what he had just received. And so the farmer says, well, I can't stand around gabbing all day, said, you know, the neighbor said. So he tipped his straw hat and he walked away and went on about his business. He had a farm to take care of. The city dweller turned, uh, the city dweller turned farmer, he scratched his head and he looked at this sack of whatever it was and, well, he said, a gift's a gift, you know, no matter how odd it might be. So he figured, I better find some use for this thing. So he dragged it over to the back door and, hi, he said, I think this will make a genuine country doorstop. So there he props his back door open with this sack of whatever it was. Months passed and the man decided that he would go down and visit his farmer friend. Hadn't been down there for quite some time, so he thought he'd go. And as he ascended the hill that separated the properties, he stopped at the crest. And before, before him was the most beautiful sight that he had ever seen. Why, his neighbor's farmhouse sat like a jewel in the center of all of this golden carpet of wheat fields spreading out in all directions. It was a gorgeous sight. So the city boy turned farmer hurried down the hill to speak to the farmer, and he said, you know, he said, I don't understand. I wish I had a farm like yours. He said, my property grows nothing but weeds. I don't understand. So the farmer eyed him carefully with a strange and unusual look on his face. He said, what would you do with the seed I brought you? Was that seed, he asked? Well, he said, I just used it for a doorstop. The farmer's mouth drew up in a grin, and he laughed until his sides hurt. He said, son, seed ain't no good unless you spread it around. The first thing you need to learn about being a farmer is this. If you want to reap, you've got to sow. Amen? Now, being raised as a farm boy in the Midwest and experiencing that lifestyle, I can speak with a measure of accuracy and authority on the subject of sowing and harvesting. Now, although the story that I just shared with you is somewhat simplistic and humorous in nature, it's a good lesson for all of us to remember, whether we're city dwellers or whether we're country folks. If you don't sow, you won't reap. We can apply it to every area of our life. And what I mean by that is, for example, we take our finances. If we don't invest when we're young, we won't reap when we're old. Or education. If we don't study hard in school, we won't have the edge in our career. And in the area of evangelism, if we don't sow the gospel of Jesus Christ in the lives of the people we encounter, we won't reap a spiritual harvest. Amen? Now, there's much to be gleaned about sowing and reaping from Paul's words that I read in your hearing just moments ago. And it's from his counsel that I believe we can incorporate a few principles to guide us as we spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of this occasion this morning, we're just going to call these the laws of the harvest. Okay? Pretty simple, right? I don't want to get too complicated. And I don't want to talk long. My grandson will scold me. You see, we reap only what has been sown. Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You see, every harvest has to be given seed. And there's, there's no such thing as spontaneous generation. Something coming from nothing, it does not exist. 
Have you ever had a vegetable garden just suddenly sprout up on your front lawn? No. Not unless for some strange reason you threw some seed out there. It all begins with planting a seed. You see, the same principle operates in the spiritual realm as well, if you will. Whatever we reap was planted by either God or people. And as Paul reminded the Corinthian church, they got in a dispute over who they were going to follow. Some thought they would follow Peter's teaching. Some thought they would follow Apollos. Some thought they would follow Paul. Some decided they were just going to listen to Jesus and nobody else and, uh, and his teachings. And Paul said, look, you've got to understand something. He said, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. He went on to tell them that he that plants and he that waters is nothing but the most important thing, that God gives the increase. Amen? You see, the Corinthians' faith didn't grow from nothing. Paul and Apollos sowed and nourished the seed of God's Word, and God made it blossom and grow in their lives. Amen. Law number two is we reap the same in kind as we sow. You see, this second law is, a, is corollary to the first. If we plant, we'll reap. And what we plant, we'll reap. Amen? For example, if you plant radishes, you're going to reap radishes. You're not going to go out there and dig up carrots. Now, spiritually speaking, if we plant seeds of integrity, we'll reap good character. Can you say amen? Now, perhaps in some instances, there are those who think, well, it really doesn't matter what kind of seeds they sow. I mean, you know, you've heard it said about young folks, you know, they go out and sow their wild oats. and Well, they reap wild oats, too, somewhere down the road. Amen? For years, they freely scatter seeds of pride and dishonesty and anger, and then they're shocked when they begin to reap the bitter consequences. Everything we do has consequences. A long-time business partnership crumbles, or a legal suit filed, or marriage, marriage ends in divorce, you know. Truly, as one of Job's counselors observed when here with, with Job, he said, even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 6 and 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. However, there is a positive side to that statement, or to that concept as well. But he went on to say, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Amen? Now, many parents have witnessed this in their homes. That You know, here and there they drop little seeds of faith in the lives of their children and after a while a fragile shoot breaks the surface and then buds of godliness emerge and blossom, you see. And in time the children start to bear on their branches and reproduce the faith in, that, that's been instilled in their lives. Amen? It's a thrilling sight to behold as a parent to see that happen within the lives of their children. Law number three is that we reap more and in a different season than we sow. This is really crucial. We reap more and in a different season than we sow. Paul writes, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I recall as a youngster growing up on the farm, the, 
many spring years that we would go out and we would plant corn and we would plant beans and uh, uh, you, you didn't go back the next day after going through the process of planting a, a 50 or 100 acre field of corn and find it out of the ground. It took several days. You would watch and, and it wasn't too long till after about a week or so you might drive by and look down that row and see these little sprouts come up. But harvest wasn't yet for quite some time away. You see, it's important to note this law has two components. First of all, we reap more than we sow. Amen. Each tiny seed is a storehouse of enormous potential for either good or evil. You see, for a small investment of a few sacks of seed, a farmer can reap a silo of grain, a return of a hundredfold. Amen. If only our financial investments paid off as well, we'd all be sitting pretty good, wouldn't we? I just threw that in. On the other hand, we wouldn't really want our harmful habits to produce an even greater yield of destruction, would we? Because Solomon said it like this, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. Now, using this analogy to illustrate my point as far as this side of the, of the component, David discovered the destructive power of one seed of sin sown in secret. He learned that lesson well. A lingering look at Bathsheba sprouted into a lustful thought, which grew into a thorny bramble of adultery and unexpected pregnancy and murder. Well, tragically, the tendrils from that thorn bush kept growing. It did not end there, entangling his entire family. You see, in uncontrolled lust, David's son Adnan raped his half-sister Tamar. Another son by the name of Absalom killed Amnon in revenge, then tried to take over his father's kingdom. Check it out, it's in the Bible. Now David spent the rest of his days reaping the bitter harvest from that one seed of sin. Now if I may borrow for just a moment the words of the prophet Hosea, in Hosea 8 and 7 he said, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Amen? However, just as a little sin can produce great evil, so can a little bit of God's kingdom planted in our lives produce enormous good. Amen. In fact, Jesus stated it this way in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. He said this. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. It's extremely small. Little bitty seed. But when it is grown, it is greater than, than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You see, it doesn't take a big seed. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a small seed and God's God's desire and His will to produce and great things happen. You see, we benefit many times over what we have sown. And so do others as they find safety and shelter in our godly character. Amen. Now the second component to this law is we reap in a different season than we sow. Sometimes in this instant, age that we live, 
This is kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around. We sow, we think we ought to reap instantly. It doesn't work that way. Now, I know for many they think those good deals, these the good deeds should be rewarded right away. Much like children, they impatiently dig up a seed they've just planted to see if it's doing anything. <laughs> yeah. See if it's sprouted yet. We're going to see what's going on. However, magic beans excluded, seeds don't grow overnight. Remember, the Word of God says, in due time we shall reap. There was a season. We planted the corn in the spring. We harvested several months later in the fall. If you planted fall wheat, you planted wheat in the fall, and you harvested in the spring of the next year. Amen? If you planted soybeans or whatever kind of beans in the springtime, you harvested them in the fall. If you were growing vegetables, if you planted green beans, why, it would be a month or so before you'd have any kind of harvest on there. Tomatoes the same way. It took a while. If you planted tomatoes in the springtime, you're looking at least a couple months or so before you actually are able to go out and pick ripe tomatoes. Amen? Farmers run their lives by that principle. They sow in one season with a view toward a future season. They see today as an opportunity to invest for tomorrow. Can you say amen? They patiently live for the long-term reward. And with that being said, let me ask three very important questions. We're talking about sowing. If we don't sow, we won't reap. Do you live that way? Sowing with expectation for the future. Are you content to wait for Jesus Christ's rewards? And are you willing to sow seeds of righteousness now in order to yield a bountiful harvest later? Amen? Law number four. We reap the full harvest of good only if we persevere. This is a tough one. We must persevere. From the standpoint of where I came from, if you tried to go harvest your corn too early, you could do it. But then you had to run it through grain dryers. Because when you took it down to the local mill to sell your corn or your wheat, whatever it was, they test it for moisture content. They got this thing that goes down in the load of grain and pull it out, and it tells them how much moisture is in that grain. If it's got, they got a certain perimeter they go by, and the more moisture, the less you get paid. Because before they can mix that in with any other grain or do anything with it, they've got to make sure it comes to a certain, a certain category in its dryness. Or what happens? It, well, there's just enormous things that go on in there. So you, you, you must wait. We reap the full harvest of good only if we persevere. That means waiting. Waiting and waiting, before the, because the harvest is future. As wise spiritual farmers, we must stick to the hard work of tilling and sowing today. You see, even when we don't see the results of our labor, Paul encourages us, let us not grow weary while doing good. Have you ever grown weary in doing good? You wonder, what, am I really making a difference? Am I really affecting all you... I, I guess I, I, I'll, I'll deal with myself. That way I can, 
I won't. I, I often ask, am I really making a difference in the lives of those who I teach and who I minister to and who we... We, we interact with, are we really, you know, you, you, you look around and, and I look at all the vacancies in here this morning and I wonder who. Are we really having an impact? But he said, let us not go weary in while, while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That tells me just keep at it, just keep at it, just keep at it, and just keep at it. Because there will come a time when you'll reap if you stay at it. Keep doing good. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep sowing the seeds. Keep visiting. Keep loving folks. And there'll come a time when you'll reap the harvest. Now, I would have liked for it to have been yesterday. Or last week or last month or a few years back. But we'll reap if we do not lose heart. You see, and here's what happens. The enemy of our soul will come up alongside of us and discourage and, and, and use discouragement to pull our hands from the plow, if you will. He'll say things to us like, look how hard you're working. And for what? Y'all ever heard that little speech? You've got dirt in your face, you've got dirt under your fingernails, you've got calluses on your hands and a field full of what? Nothing. You sure you want to keep this up? You couldn't grow a bean sprout, buddy. What do you think you're doing? So why even try? Don't waste your life. Take it easy. Live a little. You deserve better than this. Now, we've all heard that speech at some time or another. But i got to tell you, Jesus Christ holds a vision of the harvest before us and urges us to persevere. He promises you shall reap if you do not grow weary. As born-again believers, we will enter heaven one day with our arms laden with the rich rewards of our faith. But it means that we must do three things during this season of earthly life. First of all, we must keep making the right decisions no matter the opposition we may run into. Amen? Number two, we keep taking the right actions no matter how difficult or unpopular that may be. Just keep on doing what we know the Word of God tells us to do. It may not be popular. It may not be the most in thing to do. But you've got to keep on doing the right things, regardless of how unpopular or difficult it may be. And finally, number three, keep modeling Jesus Christ to others, no matter how tempted we may be to do otherwise. Amen? Now, I'm getting ready to close, but the most important things I'm going to say this morning, I'm going to say right now. Never underestimate the power of sowing the right seeds. You see, oftentimes we have a tendency to think that a small act of love or a brief word of hope won't make much difference. Oh, but it will. Because you don't know what's going on in here and in here of the other person to whom you may have just had the most dramatic effect on their life of anyone they have ever encountered. You see, God can take that tiny seed of truth that you have just planted and sown in a person's heart and grow a fruitful vine of faith. 
Amen? In fact, I dare say for those of you that's been living this life very long and been sowing seed very long, there's a lot of folks that you've had a tremendous impact. The seed you're sowing has had a tremendous impact on their life and you don't even know it. The prophet Isaiah so profoundly prophesied in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11. I, I love these, the, these passages, these two verses. He says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and boy, they're getting a lot of it up north today. Thank the Lord I'm not there. And do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen now. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When you sow the seed, it will not come back to God void. It will accomplish what He has sent it out to do. Amen? Now understand this. This is critical. Farmers don't make the seed grow. They simply create the right conditions for growth. Amen? They cultivate the soil. They irrigate it. They sow the seed. And everything else is up to God. You see, a common mistake that so many professing Christians make is in attempting to make the gospel seed grow. Don't do that. Plant the seed and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Amen. Plant the seed and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Because we cannot do that with any success. Because it will only create more problems. I assure you it will just create more problems. Similarly, we do not make the gospel take root in people's hearts. We just cultivate the relationship and plant the seed of truth and God creates the growth. No one can come to Him except He draws them anyway. Amen? As our worship team makes their way forward. God has a due season for all the seeds that we plant. There's so much that I don't understand and don't know why this, why that. But God has a timetable for every seed that we plant. But i got to tell you this. His timetable is not always our timetable. Amen? He does nothing by my timetable. Frustrates me to no end. God does nothing by my timetable. Sometimes the due season means a quick return. Sometimes it means a slow return that may take years, sometimes even a lifetime. But when we can, we can count on three things. First, God will cause a harvest to come from our seeds. You can take that to the bank. Second, God is never early or He's never late. He's right on time with our best interest at heart. 
If I have learned anything in my nearly 40 years in the ministry, it's been He's right on time every time. Third, our harvest will have the same nature as the seeds we have sown. Good seeds bring good harvest. Bad seeds bring a bad harvest. Amen? Oh, one thing more for all you leaders. A little word here. The passion for God to move among His people sometimes seems slow in being rewarded. Sincere leaders often labor and pray and seek fruitfulness for extended seasons before the visitation of God's grace brings the long-sought harvest. I've said before, sometimes I ask myself, am I really making a difference? Am I really Am I really having any kind of effect in the lives of those who I am so graciously privileged to minister to? But there'll come a harvest when it's time. I don't know when that is. He's not made me privy to that. But He has let me to understand that in due season we shall reap if we don't throw in the towel. If we don't lose heart. If we don't give up. So my friends, do not lose heart. Harvest is certain. For you individually and for us can collectively as a church. If you sow, we'll reap. You don't have to be a big time evangelist to sow. All you got to do is just drop a kind word here and there, a little seed of His gracious kindness and mercy. Amen. Let's stand together.